Welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 56th episode of the podcast for the week of June 10th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I am so happy to welcome my new Norwak friend, astrologer and Aguahara water therapist, Juji Kopash, uh, who will join me in a discussion on Aguahara, an aquatic journey. And of course, she will say her name correctly because she just has the mouth that does so. Uh, Now, so before we get started here, please remember, always take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for as little as $1 per month, you can do so by supporting the podcast over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And if you'd like to make a one-time donation to show support, you can do so as well uh, through my tip jar that is on the front page of energeticprinciples.com. So now let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady continues her waxing phase as we push off of Sunday evening's first quarter moon in Virgo and where we start out the week still cruising through this practical earth sign. Monday evening, Luna slips into the balance-oriented air sign of Libra and where social and relational vibes kick up during midweek. Thursday, she saunters into the intense and passionate waters of Scorpio and where she will stir the pot a bit until moving into adventure-oriented Sagittarius Saturday morning and where she will remain throughout the weekend as she waxes towards an early Monday morning full moon in Sagittarius. So just a quick heads up, all-time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, at about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, at about 17 hours or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, this week has uh, no lack of astro action, that is for sure. Uh, So really, the Jupiter-Neptune square that is a prominent... figure of 2019 is in full effect this week. Uh, And really many transits are going to trigger this configuration um, where it will perfect exactly on Sunday. And really it's a watery week in general as both Mercury and Mars in Cancer trine into Neptune uh, and also oppose Saturn, which of course they're going to save their Plutonian element uh, for next week. So this is kind of a two-part week (laughs) or actually a two 
weeks of two parts? You'll see. Um, but it's bound to be interesting to say the least. So let us waste no time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Virgo, and she will move to Libra around about 5.30 here on Pacific time. Uh, And along the way, she'll make a trine to Pluto and a trine to Venus. Now, of course, we actually have our uh, the sun opposing Jupiter this day around 8 a.m. here in the morning on the Pacific coast. But I did cover this in last week's program, if you do recall. But really, it is a carrying influence uh, where the sun has squared Neptune and opposed Jupiter, um, and we are feeling it uh, basically in this kind of in-between week zone. Um, So, you know, we are essentially pushing off this kind of spiritual friction that we've been uh, encountering, and Jupiter is confronting our awareness with where we need to grow and move into new territory. And so we're going through a growth spurt right now, essentially. And really, uh, you know, some of the energy has been a little bit lower, or uh, like myself, I was a little under the weather as this influence started to kick up. Um, And so if you have been feeling like more of the uh, spiritual vibe where you might be swimming through things or just energies are a little bit lower, we might have been... um, triggered to take a moment of time for ourselves so that we could tap into the Jupiter energy um, where we slow down enough to know where we're going next, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. But really, this is kind of a, a carrying over type of influence. So the bottom line for Monday is is that we have a two-part day with the first half spent working on the more practical concerns of, uh, you know, day-to-day life since we have the moon in Virgo there. Um, And we may be figuring out the details to the larger considerations that that sun opposing Jupiter brings because Virgo is great at problem solving. Uh, But it's also possible we might want to just retire a bit, needing a little downtime to process the bigger picture, or maybe take in a little bit of nature or healing meditation of some sort. Um, But then Luna will move into Libra and we will likely be feeling, uh, you know, an equilibrium of the mind with that trying to Venus. Um, So socializing with some friends or some loved ones may be really rewarding on Monday evening. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is in Libra, and she will square Mercury and Mars. And so we don't have any transits perfecting that day. But the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that Luna continues her journey through partnership-oriented Libra. Yet connecting with others may bring in some crab-like irritation as the moon squares both Mercury and Mars in Cancer. And coming, speaking for as a Cancer, I can get a little crabby Appleton, like my mom used to call me. <laughs> so just FYI. Uh, But if you do find yourself in that space, you can use that Libra moon to help detach a little and find a sense of grace to help navigate any frustrations that come up. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is in Libra, and she will square Saturn, sextile Jupiter, trine the sun, and square Pluto, really all before we even wake up here, at least on the Pacific coast. Um, So we don't have any uh, aspects perfecting that day. So the bottom line for Wednesday is, is that chances are that we wake up after an eventful night of sleep, as the planets were making a lot of connections with the moon, uh, with the possibility of dreams coming in that help to awaken and activate some deeply instinctual material. 
And so we may feel refreshed when we wake up, or we may feel like we woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It just depends on what your own psyche was working through during the night. Um, But really jot down whatever comes to you, uh, if you can remember your dreams, even if it's just a little bit of of information, because you can revisit that later on for increased clarity. Uh, Really, even a week's time can tell you so much about a dream (laughs) if if you give it a little bit of space. Now, the rest of the day, we will continue to balance the scales while connecting with others, as a good Libra moon does, uh, but also being acutely aware of our own sense of equilibrium at this time. So if we are feeling uh, imbalanced, we're going to be feeling good. And if things are a little off, then we would know that something has to come back into um, uh, be balanced out. Now, on Thursday, uh, we leave, uh, the moon has left that airy Libra and is now in passionate Scorpio and will oppose Uranus uh, early on in the day. Now, not only do we have the moon in Scorpio, which always kicks up a lot of excitement here, uh, but we also have a handful of transits that are going on. Uh, Most notably, we have Mars making a trine to Neptune while also making an opposition to Saturn. And we also have Venus uh, making a sextile to Chiron, a little side note there. So let's start with this Mars um, action with Neptune and Saturn. Because Mars is going to bring uh, just that, action, uh, motivation, um, where we are asserting ourselves or where we're putting effort into. Um, But it can also bring things like frustration or or sometimes anger can come along at this time. Um, But also it serves that surgeon scalpel purpose of cutting things from our life, which can be um, uh, very rewarding if something needs to go, but also if we find that something's cut without our uh, um, say in it, it it can be a little bit trying. And so really, uh, this uh, action warrior energy of Mars, uh, in Cancer nonetheless, so, you know, we are looking at emotional components here, are going to be trining into Neptune. Uh, And trines, you know, there's no obstacles. Everything is just flowing. And with water, we're extra flowing here. And so what are we flowing to? Well, that's Neptune. And Neptune, sometimes we don't know what that is. It has a, it can have a very foggy or hazy type of quality to it, where uh, there can be some confusion that comes up at this time. Uh, but there are also going to be great spiritual inspiration um, and where life takes on this kind of diffused glow uh, and we dissolve into what it is that we are experiencing. Now, on the other hand, the same Mars energy is going to oppose Saturn. And, you know, oppositions are when we kind of confront it with something, or maybe we are pulling uh, in a, a tug of war of opposites, um, or dealing with relationships, because a lot of times oppositions deal with relating dynamics or having to make a choice or a decision of some sort. Um, and so Saturn, you know, the, if we're being confronted with something, you know, the dreams are just flowing with Neptune, but we're confronted with the Saturn element. And Saturn is, you know, what's the commitment look like? What's the long term, the foundation of this? How are we using our personal authority to uh, structure and take responsibility in life? Um, and so there is this type of organizational energy that comes to play with the Neptunian, which is not organized at all. So you see these paradigms of energies basically working together. Um, And so now just a shout out that we're going to experience this Mars energy first, but then Mercury is going to come along and make the same uh, configuration in a couple days' time. And so... 
Really, there are many different ways this could go, uh, yet we must keep in mind that all of this is also tying into that second transit of Jupiter squaring Neptune, uh, which I'm going to you know, touch on here in a little bit. Um, so what comes up for me is a confrontation around owning one's authority and discipline to build something that their heart and their soul is in. Um, in order to create such foundations, we must sacrifice for our dream. As fantasies are effortless, yet manifestation takes real work. And chances are that Mars and Cancer is going to have to pivot in a way, and especially emotionally, uh, that can tap into the positive positive energy of our feelings and our emotions, rather than letting it bog us down, maybe through things like insecurity or when we have negative feelings that kind of run amok. And so if you aren't on the path of the heart, there's likely to be uh, some roadblocks that come along or some frustrations that call upon us to let go of where we have been putting our effort uh, or what we've been putting our effort in so that we can redirect that energy elsewhere. And we are tempted to act on the ideals of the Neptunian energy that's flowing through us at this time, yet we will also be confronted with the likes of Saturn and where the dream world meets reality. And so move forward with compassion and acceptance of what is, for this will help through any potential struggles that arise. Now, adding into that Mars, Neptune, Saturn energy, we also have Venus making a sextile to Chiron that day. Um, and I will say that I glazed over last week's Mercury-Chiron square. I didn't, I didn't mention that, <laughs> which that uh, was definitely significant. And I'm speaking, uh, as, as I speak, we are experiencing that right now. Um, but okay, so Venus and Chiron together. So Venus, uh, you know, is relating to things, uh, where we open up, what we attract in, how we cultivate that balance and harmony principle, how we embody grace, essentially. Uh, and sextiles open the door to things and help bring opportunities. And so Venus has this opportunity with Chiron. And Chiron can be uh, a healing opportunity where maybe we are triggered in some way or we understand our triggers in a way that we can bring in wisdom through what it is that we are experiencing. And so with all the aspects that may be stirring things up this week, and particularly as Mercury squared Chiron last Thursday, and our, and our minds got to look at these triggers and these painful uh, things that might come up. Now, Venus may be asking that, uh, you know, we get a little relief, particularly in the uh, mental realm, as we try to make balanced decisions that will support us, um, that perhaps a little meditation may be needed to find clarity and gain some relief from the intense energy or kind of that hypervigilance that might be going around. Uh, you know, so maybe Venus's message here, especially in Gemini, is to find a moment to open your mind to some stillness and, you know, see what ideas come in because a piece of uh, wisdom might just float on through. Now, Thursday, the bottom line is that the moon in Scorpio activates a grand water trine of energy um, that's going to be tapping into both Mercury and Mars and Cancer and that Neptune in Pisces, making the next two days more emotional in nature. So just FYI, Thursday and Friday, uh, in particular, we are turning up that emotional juice. Um, but the early morning opposition to Uranus on Thursday may act as a catalyst that can trigger the 
need to liberate and ground some emotional content, especially if we find ourselves disrupted in some way, or if maybe something outside of us brings an awakening uh, that we're like, oh, okay. Um, And so an unusual start to the day may help to facilitate the emotional journey that we are about to embark upon. So just FYI on that. Now, Friday, the moon is still cruising through Scorpio. She's going to trine Mercury, trine Neptune and Mars, and sextile Saturn. Um, And I find it really funny because Friday is Flag Day, which (laughs) I I know it's not very funny about flags, but our Sabian symbol for the full moon is taps into uh, a flag bearer. So I found it so perfect as we wax to this um, new moon, or sorry, full moon in Sagittarius. So you'll have to read more of my blog to find out more about that. Um, But we don't have any aspects perfecting on Friday. So the bottom line is, as most of us sleep, that grand water trine with Mercury, Neptune, and Mars is going to perfect, making this another powerful night in the dream world. So be sure to take note of what comes up because this configuration uh, is also activating this week's Mercury, Mars, Neptune trine. Um, So really Thursday evening and Friday day, may play heavily into this energy. And so we're going to continue to ride the wave of our passions because Scorpio always brings us, you know, what we really feel passionate and, you know, desire in life. Um, and if that's not being honored, it also makes us very moody. <laughs> um, so there is that time of heightened sensitivity that's upon us. And depending on where we are uh, at with those things in our lives, like I just said, we may feel a little moody or broody at this time. And so the more we give to understanding our emotional content or content, context even, uh, the more power we can have to infuse into these transits that are taking place. So it is very important, especially on Thursday and Friday, to be very conscious of how you're feeling emotionally. Now, luckily, that sextile to Saturn can help ground our deep desires uh, because the desires are flowing with the water, but we have that Saturnian uh, concrete-like nature that can help um, bring us the earth energy uh, that we can work with to help maintain a sense of stability. Now, on Saturday, the moon moves into Sagittarius, and she will oppose Venus along the way. Um, Now, we don't have any aspects perfecting, but we are caught in between a couple really big aspects, so we can consider this basically the second half of the week, or really this whole week in general, as one big aspect that is playing within many parts. Um, But the bottom line for Saturday is is that energy is going to lighten as Luna moves into the philosophical fires of Sagittarius, and we are now shifting and feeling out where we want to expand and grow, while also connecting with a sense of optimism around what is possible. And this may be more of a social day with that midday opposition to Venus and Gemini, so getting out and about and chatting it up may be on order. Yet with an opposition, there may be a little tension or moodiness in relating, um, you know, so you're going to want to adapt and go with the flow, especially when we're speaking our ideas and our beliefs to other people, you know, we could find ourselves in a little bit of a tricky situation at times, and especially with this full moon that's brewing. But really, this is a weekend of learning and embracing a greater understanding of where we are and where we are headed. 
Now, on Sunday, the moon is still in Sagittarius uh, and will make a conjunction to both Jupiter uh, and a square to Neptune. Um, and so there's a lot going on on Sunday. Uh, first and foremost, it is Father's Day here uh, in the U.S. I don't know if that extends to other places in the world, but if it does, it's Father's Day. Um, but we also have Mercury coming in to fill Mars' spot uh, just a few days before. So Mercury is going to try Neptune and is going to oppose. Saturn. Also of note and of big note, this is the day that the Jupiter-Neptune square also perfects, right as Mercury is tapping into some of these energies. Um, And we're also having a full moon uh, at 25 degrees of Sagittarius, which will actually perfect Monday morning at 1.31 a.m. here uh, on the Pacific coast. But basically, we can consider Sunday to be very much the full moon energy. So where do we start? (laughs) Um, Well, you know, so we already talked about that Neptune spiritual influence uh, that comes in and that Saturnian trying to ground things down and, you know, look at the reality of things. And so where Mars and that action energy came in earlier, now we have Mercury, where Mercury is the mind and and our perception and where we're learning and communicating uh, and, and understanding and information that comes in. So now the mind is connecting with these transits. Um, and really, this is all playing into the full moon that is uh, perf- that is perfecting and growing as well. So there's so much energy that is tied up in this weekend. And so Mercury now pulls up to where Mars just was to make another touchdown with Neptune and Saturn. And lest we not forget that both of these planets are to figure or to finish off this configuration next week, where they will both conjunct each other and then go on to oppose Pluto. But for now, Mercury comes around to help our minds get on board with the emotional changes that are happening, especially as we are waxing to a full moon in Sagittarius that will help to carry out the next leg of our growth spurt. And there may be some shadow energy to contend with in the process, especially since this is a full moon. So, you know, shadows are inevitable. Now, the ultimate goal is to flow with the mental acceptance of our budding new realities and to allow the mind a sense of awareness that can cut out old beliefs that do not serve in order to move on to greener mental pastures. Now, we are still in Gemini season, so the sun is looking to this configuration because the sun is essentially looking to Mercury. And I feel as if it can be a positive experience if we are willing to embark upon new perspectives around the decisions of the heart and the disciplined approach to master whatever influence is before us. Now, whenever Neptune arrives, there is typically a letting go that must be embraced and tied into the Jupiter square. Uh, By doing so, we foster growth in our lives as we open and expand to what is next. Now, none of this is easy per se, yet by doing so, we can move away from, you know, past stresses and difficulties um, that we may have been holding on to and uh, find the, the compassion and the forgiveness to basically move into calm. Waters. 
So now this Jupiter square Neptune, uh, really this is the second pass. Uh, and the first one happened um, in, in early January. Uh, and if you want to go back to some of the discussion that we had pro- previously, uh, I did an episode with Lisa Allen, uh, which was episode number 35, which is the week of January 7th, uh, also known as the Aquarius season episode. And we do spend a good amount of time in the guest segment tackling uh, this um the Jupiter square Neptune aspect. So if you want to go back and revisit that, I might do so myself to see what we were talking about. (laughs) Uh, uh, That is on offer. Now, with the full moon in Sagittarius, I gave you some uh, some tidbits there, of course. But if you want to follow up further and check out that Sabian symbol that I was talking about, you can uh, look out for my article that I post that will likely come out a few days before the full moon perfects. Uh, and if you want that to come straight to your inbox, you can sign up for my mailing list, which is at the bottom of the front page of energeticprinciples.com. All right, so to wrap that up, bottom line for Sunday, there's a lot going on on Father's Day. This day holds the action leading up to the full moon that will take place while we sleep in North America. And it is likely to feel like a significant turning point in many ways, especially as the moon conjuncts Jupiter and squares Neptune right before it reaches exact fullness as we sleep. We grow and then we let go. Hey, that rhymes. Grow and let go. Hey, that is, <laughs> I just came up with that. I'm excited. Um, that, I guess that is a, a good mantra to kind of keep for this full moon. Grow and let go. Um, so that Jupiter-Neptune square is lit up and Mercury trining in is helping us to understand this year's transit uh, in ways we may have not been able to yet. Um, and so if we go with that flow, that mental flow, we're, we're likely to come to something within us that helps bring that understanding. And so we really are expanding greatly and finding the ability to adapt and flow with an optimistic sense of adventure. Uh, And that may be the ticket to giving through all this energy. And so there is so much spirit in the air at this time, uh, you know, so really feel out your beliefs about life and be willing to let go that which no longer serves your story. For it's now time to celebrate our new sense of understanding around the bigger picture at play. All right, so to wrap that all up, because Lord knows it is a lot. (laughs) Um, So essentially, life is shifting and our dreams of the future are activated. And the action isn't over as we head into round two next week. Yet for now, we are in the thick of it as we adapt to what is and let go of what isn't, while also finding optimism that a new life awaits. So now let's take a look at the cards because this week they really do. I was actually I was surprised and not surprised <laughs> with what I drew. Um, so this week I drew the Seven of Cups as the focus and the Tower as the grounding. And with the Seven of Cups as the focus, the spotlight is put on the many choices that are before us as we swim through a period of uncertainty, yet we are still needing to tap into the power of discernment so that our fantasies and dreams don't stray us too far from reality. 
And this fits so well within all the transits that are taking place this week. Uh, Yet let's go on to the next card to help fill in the gaps. (laughs) So now with the tower as the grounding card, there is likely to be a sudden change that is before us or that our foundation is crumbling in a way that we can't stay in, uh, you know, this dream world of entertaining possibilities for much longer. Rather, the pressure is now on to decipher which dreams are just wishful thinking and which have real potential. Potential. Yet it's likely that whatever we do choose, life has to shake up to not only make this decision, but also to follow the path further. And it's quite possible that a bubble may pop this week, for that volcanic force of the tower is likely to bring any high-flying fantasies uh, falling down to earth. So perhaps it may be best to shake things up before things shake you. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the octopus. How pleasant, bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get a better peep at the plants and creatures of the deep we glide. Far below the rolling tide Serene Through the bubbly blue and green Ah, one of my favorite songs from childhood. From the Disney classic Bedknobs and Broomsticks with Angela Lansbury. Uh, You know, I should have been known then that I was going to turn out a bit witchy. (laughs) Now, our dear friend, the octopus, is asking that we try on a bit of shape-shifting this week, which could be another way of looking at that Seven of Cups that I was just talking about. Because at times when we have a few different options that are before us, it may be wise to put on each hat and to kind of feel it out. Uh, And really, this amazing sea creature has incredible flexibility. So it may be time to shift and change things up a bit in the area of your style and mannerisms, especially if something comes at us that asks for you to be, uh, you know, adaptable and resilient. So step into the spirit of the octopus this week, for it can help you shapeshift into new experience while also helping you camouflage if you need to lay low for a while. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. So each week I create a tarot uh, spread that is around the aspects of the week, and I record about a seven-minute video where I go through the positions of the spread, including a crystal representative and a featured quote, uh, and I even talk more on these transits within relation to the spread itself. Uh, And so last week we worked on cultivating a unconditional love. And this week, we will be working on Dreams of You. So if you want to find out more or even to check out a freebie spread, you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Principles. <laughs> Woo. All right. Now let's meet our guest. All right, everyone. I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest. We have Juji Kopach. Say it for me right, Juji. How do we say it? <laughs> Hi, Mel. Uh, this is Juji Kopach. 
I love her name. She's just so precious. I met her at um, Norwac 2019 here a few weeks ago, which you probably heard me last week talking to Viviana, uh, who was my roommate. Um, but we met Juji uh, during dinner <laughs> um, randomly because Viviana invited her over to our table. And it was just a pleasant surprise to meet, have three Scorpio rising sitting together <laughs> uh, at, at a table. Of course, we tracked, we tracked the intensity of one another, right? Um, so, <laughs> so, Gigi, uh, tell us a little bit, you know, just give us a little bit about yourself before we get started here, because we are going to talk more about your own journey in depth, but just a little primer for our listeners. Yeah. Um, hi, Mel. Well, thank you so much for having me on your Energetic Principles podcast. It is such an honor and pleasure. I'm so happy to have you as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. My name is Juji Kapash, and I am a visionary astrologer, aquatic healer, and embodied self-discovery facilitator. I'm cur currently residing in Los Angeles, California, and I offer consciousness-expanding experiences through working with body wisdom-oriented methods that I call mystical embodiment. I draw from a variety of somatic awareness modalities uh, with an experience of over 10 years, ranging from neuroscience, transformational work, somatic psychotherapy, shamanic movement practices, such as ritual dance, dream theater, archetypal role play, and from astrology and mysticism. I help connecting people to source consciousness uh, through the doorways of their own body. And I have traveled globally offering transformational healing sessions in the water as an aquatic practitioner. And uh, I have lived in over 18 countries in the last five years offering this mermaid medicine at retreats, festivals, private events, and by invitation. So my lifelong passion is astrology, and I'm so glad that NORWAC, the Astrological Conference, has brought us together um, to meet you, Mel, mm -hmm. on your podcast, and diving deep into um, what mystical embodiment is. And thank you for inviting me to share more about the aquatic healing journeys that I facilitate. Yeah, because I mean, I find it fascinating uh, because obviously we know the power of water. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in astrology, we can usually tie into a uh, very healing effect is through uh, water consciousness or water signs, right? Um, and yes. And so I just found what you do fascinating. So I'm excited to talk more about that. Um, but also within the context of when we are connecting right now, uh, in this particular week that the podcast is airing, we have all this Neptune connection going on in Pisces with both Mercury and Mars, uh, you know, trining into Neptune uh, from Cancer. And we also have, um, you know, the Jupiter-Neptune square. So what better time to talk about uh, the power of water and, and what it is that you do, which a lot of people I don't think even know about that, that, that this is a service or that, you know, people are doing this out there. So I'm excited to get to hear your story a little bit later on here. But 
Before we get started, uh, you know, Shuji, tell me about your Norwalk experience or maybe a couple things that stuck out to you um, while you were there, what called to you. Oh, Norwalk was incredible. It was my first Norwalk and I got to meet my favorite astrologers in person and be amongst uh, like 500 other astrologers from all around the world. It felt like a soul family reunion where we all speak the same language, um, astrology language. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is a language <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it was really such a deep experience. Um, I came with an idea um, to really uh, add tools to my toolbox as an astrologer. And I actually ended up having um, such a meaningful personal journey that after the first day, I just let go of whatever I marked in my schedule to attend. And instead, I followed energetically where I was drawn to. Yes. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It turned into my own. Like I totally feel you, Gigi. Like it was the same thing for me. Like I felt like I had an agenda and then the agenda just dropped away because I was just going to where I was being called as, you know, as I learned more about myself and the whole process. And yeah, I feel you on that. It was so nice to drop into that flow. It was like, first, it's like, I know what I'm about to do. And then wait, no, there's this more powerful force that is guiding me and just surrender to that. I loved it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, and we're going to be talking about surrender here actually in a little bit uh, with the whole water thing. So there seems to be this flow of, um, or this theme or flow, I guess we could say, of kind of surrendering. (laughs) Uh, That might be part of the topic of this uh, podcast to some extent, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. And I have been so enriched by so many beautiful connections. Um, And um, by surrendering to the flow, I ended up finding myself at lectures that had such a deep soul message for me. I let go of my agenda and realized, wait a minute, this is for me. My soul brought me here to make these new connections. I no longer felt lonely as an astrologer. It Mm. felt like I belonged and I could just absolutely be myself. I could speak in ways my mind works, Uh, like right away going into deep and mystical topics with people, um, skipping that filtering small talk that I usually do. (laughs) (laughs) I did it to assess, well, how, how deep can I actually go with this person? You know, yeah. but here at the conference, I was just right away into those topics and I was being matched. It was so blissful. <laughs> yeah, there's, it, it is special when you are, you know, part of your tribe, when you are with people that are like you, are on the same wavelength. You know, there is a special, special sense of connectedness uh, and, and that feeling of belonging that you're talking about that is really one of the key pieces to existing as a human being on this planet, you know, uh, because that's how we really feel that we're part of something that's, you know, that speaks to us, speaks to others. And then we have that like bond. So I totally feel you on that (laughs) for sure. Yeah. That's the beauty of a conference people. You better come to the conferences next time to have these experiences. (laughs) 
So now were there any people, any lecturers, any, who were your favorite astrologers? What was it that really spoke to you? Um, uh, so actually, uh, since this was my first conference, I wanted to attend everything that was offered. So I attended the pre-conference, a day-long lecture with Mark Jones, uh, which was a very potent lecture revealing how powerful astrology as a portal to dive deeper can uh, really enrich one's psychotherapy practice if you are a psychotherapist. So I was reminded how important it is to recognize a person's being in their reality while looking at the chart as a symbol. As Mark Jones was saying, just like a menu is not a meal and a map is not the territory, a meaning of a chart is not linear. So we actually need to take uh, time to talk to the client to discover the conditions of their consciousness, uh, which reveals their internal readiness and personal ability to hold reality. And we need to allow our client to share in their own words where they are in life and only after that use astrology as a portal to reveal deeper. And this is where astrology is such a powerful tool for personal growth. And in another lecture, uh, Rick Levine said um, that our intention as astrologers is to point the client into a direction they are ready to look at and then have a dialogue and inquiry about it. And it is the search that creates the answers. Um, as soon as we stop asking the question, the search ends. Mm. So as astrologers, um, we want to be careful about giving answers, like predetermined answers to our clients because it will stop the client's process. And I, I truly uh, believe in that. Yeah, I do too. Absolutely. Uh, and well, and people come sometimes asking for those definitive answers. And I'm always the first to say that I don't have that for you, nor do you want that. <laughs> um, but we can explore that and ask questions like you're saying to kind of open up pathways and avenues to maybe um, to expand the search, I guess, or maybe narrow the search at least enough to be able to still make those choices for oneself. But you, but no one's saying that for you. So I, yeah, I totally agree. And just FYI to, to everyone out there that's giving readings or getting readings, you know, yes, we, the search is so important. I love that. Oh, it is. And um, uh, for me too, clients approach me with um, trying to predict something um, and, and exact things. Um, and, and really then I try to guide them to come back to an exploration and curiosity and as astrologers, um, let's say we see a transit is about to hit the client in two years. So as guides, we can help them prepare to soften that blow and for them to consciously participate with the inevitable surge of energy. Because it will hit, but if they are prepared the right way, um, they can accept it and be like, okay, here I am. I consciously participate. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. Consciously participate because that's kind of everything. And that's the role that we're playing is we're helping bring that consciousness forward so that when you are in the moment, you know how to navigate it, right? (laughs) Right. Right. And the similar principle when I work with clients in the water, um, the magic of water is that she shows us the path of least resistance. She shows us how to take uh, an impact gracefully and use that impact to ride the wave instead of resisting what is. And so, for example, Uranus transits, um, they strike like a lightning bolt. And um, so what can we do to free the flow in those cases? The lightning of Uranus strikes only if we are holding back and it will crash us. Yes. <laughs> it will break us out of our shell and it hurts if we insist on holding on to the old and the familiar, right? Right. And yes, Judy, I love you bring this up because uh, I was telling you earlier that what the tarot, one of the tarot cards for this week is the tower, which is exactly the principle you just shared pretty much because Uranus, because it wants to shake that up um, and it brings us these surprising things, maybe the bottom falls out from underneath us in some way. The only way to navigate that is through flexibility. And it's kind of what you're saying with essentially going with the flow of it um, and and navigating it in that way because we can't really fight it. We can't fight, (laughs) you know, if something's crumbling, uh, but we can adapt and change and be flexible uh, and be maybe even more spontaneous, um, not to our detriment, but to like open up to, to the new of life, you know, new experience and where we're, we're being led next. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but it's important nonetheless. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, it is so powerful to cultivate that um, ability to be comfortable with change. Mm-hmm. And I'm so passionate about the aquatic transformational work that I do now, uh, which came into my life actually uh, during my Uranus sixth house transit, um, which sixth house um, is symbolizing work and routine, daily schedule and health related stuff. Mm -hmm. And I ran myself literally to the ground by short-circuiting my neuromuscular system from the intense stress at work, working 12-hour days, um, to literally launching myself to take the leap and become self-employed. And who knew, traveling all around the world, um, really liberating myself from the stuck, predictable schedule. Yeah. And rather feeling the energy like, uh-oh, something's coming and just tuning to that dynamic flow of life that I was being primed to step into. Yep, yeah. I experienced the same transit. Both Juji and I share the Scorpio ascendant. So we, <laughs> we had uh, different journeys, of course, because that's how life works. But uh, I resonate with a lot of what you were just saying or like the, what I went through on my own uh, through 
almost like an experimentation phase within what day-to-day reality might look like. Yes, yes. It's, every day was new for me too. It's like I have to experiment and try this, try that. And then even if I thought I got this down, uh, no, there was never a moment where I would reach a routine. It was always new. So I just really needed to adapt to the flow. Yeah. And so uh, I also had a health crisis during this time. And um, it was literally a lightning bolt of urgency to shift the way I lived my life. Um, At that time, making my physical and emotional well-being my priority, that was very important. And so when I prioritized that, everything around needed to change structure. Mm. And so all of that was just all of the pieces of the puzzle were in the air and uh, like you said, experimenting, does this fit this way? Oh no, this is not good. Trying something else. And so this whole journey liberated me from my old role as a neuroscience researcher um, and choosing to dive deep instead to somatic psychology, which is an extension of neuroscience. However, taking it from the conceptual scientific research to something deeply personal. Mm. Yeah. And take it kind of out of the air element and bring it almost to the, to the water. Like it's taking it from the, the ideas to the depth, I guess is kind of what, anyways, that just came to me. (laughs) Go on, Juji. It's, um, it's a different perspective. And um, it became a very personal journey, um, uh, beginning to look at the psychosomatic nature of my health conditions um, has helped me to deep, deep transformative uh, work um, that I use for my own healing. And it launched me into my new role as a healer and guide for others as well, mm. which was surprising. I, um, was not planning on this, you know? <laughs> As most Uranus transits will t- say. <laughs> Wait, I wasn't, this wasn't where I was going, was it? Oh, no, I, I like that a lot. Um, it, may, it makes a lot of sense. And so where did you end up? How did we get, how did we get to the water? How did, how did that even happen? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, um, through my journey, I have been initiated into deep inner work, um, starting with the psychosomatic approach uh, by um, participating in embodied movement practice. Um, I have this practice called body-mind centering. Um, it is a somatic modality Um, that to me is a practice of connecting through the body tissues to deep remembrance, Mm. starting with personal trauma to collective wounds, all the way to ancient memories and um, how these memories connect us to all life on this planet and connecting to cosmic consciousness also. And all of this through my own body, the tissues in my body. And so this practice has led me to uh, contact dance. And so I went to a training in Europe uh, where I was exploring the doorways to dive deeper within, 
while moving in a contact improvisation dance with another body. I was observing the inner play of energies um, to see what actually arises from that space. Um, one day we took contact improvisation in the water and this experience just blasted my consciousness. Mm. Being in the water in such a deep, viscerally aware um, state, I had an overflow of downloads come through me directly connected to psychic phenomenon and lucid dreaming experiences. So I knew that I absolutely needed to explore that deeper. But then it wasn't until I actually suffered a, a physical accident by falling off of my partner's shoulder onto a marble floor during a contact dance. Oh no. And from this moment, my path took a rapid shift, redirecting me back to the water. Hmm. Yeah, because a lot of people actually, don't they heal actually from physical injuries or they do rehabilitation work in water uh, because they can get that flow of movement a little easier um, and get the body moving, right? Isn't that kind of a, a practice people do? Right. And um, you know how we put uh, broken bones into cast and keep it rigid. Actually, the body heals... Um, much quicker when we are in motion and especially fluid motion using water. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I know just from experience in the past when my, say my back goes out, you know, <laughs> many of us have experienced when their, when their lower back goes out. Um, and I mean, you can rest for a couple of days, but some of the best things you can do is, is actually rest that small period, but then go take a walk you know, get the body moving again, because that's what's going to strengthen it and, and let it get back in its own flow instead of staying stuck in the stasis of just inactivity. So I totally, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just like when we are going through something emotionally as well, it is so good to go dancing, to let that energy flow through rather than having it build up and internalized in our body posture, you know, that we have these weird shapes holding our shoulders to our ears <laughs> from stress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I so agree with that. <laughs> so hopefully you healed quickly. So what happened after you were injured? Um, so actually my injury was pretty crazy. Um, during the fall, I broke two ribs, my kneecap, and I twisted my ankle. Jesus. <laughs> so my body was completely out of commission. And um, as I was resting in bed, I was browsing Facebook events and boom, I saw a flyer with a photo of underwater dancing. And I thought to myself, well, gravity hurts, but I need to keep moving. I need to heal, so why don't I continue healing underwater? And <laughs> so get this, the flyer was in Spanish. And it's a language that I didn't speak yet at that time. And being under the Uranian influence, the spontaneous me, I imagined um, this is a month-long artist residency camping in the forest and we're going to be creating underwater photo shoots and dancing underwater. So I immediately booked a flight to Ibiza 
And on my way to the airport, I emailed to see if there were actually any spots available. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you're so bold. <laughs> well, I, I had to because it was a Wednesday and this whole event was starting on Friday. So I really needed to book that ticket. Yes. <laughs> I would have done that before the flight, probably, but <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> so now, did they get you in? <laughs> were you able to, <laughs> were, were there still, was there still space for Juji? Well, um, yes, they responded to me that uh, we do still have one spot available. We were full, but you are writing just right on time because one person dropped out. And you can come. And uh, I received this message once I already landed in Ibiza. So everything was still confirmed by the universe that, um, yes, you are on the right path. Keep going and trust. Trust was a big, big uh, lesson or um, thing that I have learned during this uh, Uranus transit in the sixth house. Hmm. And that's a lesson all of us Scorpio Risings can learn <laughs> over time. That's <laughs> uh, wrestling with trusting. Same with the Taurus folk. And so how lucky were you that there was just one, there was just one spot just waiting for you <laughs> and your bold moves. I love it. So now what happened at the festival? What, uh, or the, the uh, it's not festival, but workshop, I guess. Okay, yes. So to my surprise, um, this was not an artist residency. Um, This was actually a training to become an aquatic practitioner um, to do healing sessions on people. And um, without me consciously choosing this, it ended up being the most healing experience for my physical body. And it took me into this amazing journey because I was there for a whole month. Imagine that we were camping in the forest, completely detached from all electronics and technology. And we were living off the land, collecting rainwater. And then every day we were going out to the Mediterranean Sea and we spent eight to 12 hours in the water, half of it underwater. So imagine that transformation. It's like, all the layers of your ego identity dissolve. And uh, it was, I think, after a two-week point, I have reached this connection to my essence, like an essence that I have never been in touch with before. Mm. It was so profound. I can only imagine. And... What an experience, because it literally took you, once again, back to the Uranus in the sixth, it literally took you out of anything that you would normally, you know, that everyday routine, the ritual, the pain even that you were in, you know, as you were healing. And, and well, and I just love this in connection with your, because Zhuji has a a 12th house moon in Libra. So I feel like you are, you embody the idea of surrender and, and unconsciously getting to the core of your, your essence, basically, through these movements that, you know, 
like, because they say the 12th house can be this house of, uh, you know, self undoing, but not in a negative way because you, you, it's almost like you went through all the layers of the self and then you got down to the core of what was really there through this process. Um, and so I just, what a magical experience. And how long did this, uh, the training go for? Uh, the, the training went for three weeks and then we stayed for um, a fourth week when we actually did the thing that I went for. Uh, we did some underwater photo shoots and um, did underwater contact dance. Um, but really, you do need to have that preparation. Uh, that what I have went through about how to be comfortable underwater and release all that um, held uh, trauma, inhibitions, and tension from the body to to be able to stay underwater for a prolonged time mm. and not clench up. You know, it's, it's a um, practice of surrender, deep, deep surrender that uh, I'm so glad that the whole training went the way it did, even though I am so... Mm, I have had so much Uranus um, influence in my chart and with this transit. I just want to jump right into it, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I, I will get it. But I'm so glad it was like a, I was being guided how to get there. Yeah. Well, and not only were you being guided, but you, you know, surrendered to the process. You like follow, because a lot of times you can be guided, but it also takes your own willingness to follow the breadcrumb basically in order to get to where you're going. So it was, it was two-sided. You're being guided, but you were also accepting uh, with the flow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. And so what happened after? So now you have this new skill. Basically, you went through this uh, almost like rebirthing experience within from, you know, leaving something that you were doing before to having this experience of, you know, bodily pain and actually physically being injured and redirected in some way. Then you have this magical experience <laughs> that like wasn't even how you intended it to be in any way. Like as you didn't even know it was a course that was going to <laughs> help you facilitate this for other people, you know, how that's hilarious to me. And so this wraps up and then what happens next? I mean, now you're this certified person that you didn't even realize you were going to be. And so uh, where did you take that next? Uh, uh, this became um, my life's work actually, uh, because uh, after, right after I became certified, I started traveling. Uh, well, I was already traveling in the world, but I continued um, traveling on this global journey and the, sharing this healing gift because it has had such a profound uh, influence on my life and my transformation. I, I really felt deeply called to um, share this medicine with others. Hmm. So I, I kept sharing it. This became um, my main source of income. And um, I started traveling the world. Wherever I went, I um, signed up to be at festivals, at retreats, and um, uh, private residences. And uh, it was like riding the wave of the water. Um, wherever I needed to be, um, 
uh, I just followed the invitation and really let it go out of my own hands and just listen. Mm. I started practicing deep listening where to go next. Oh, that's a valuable skill because a lot of times we're just trying to direct the course of events from what we think or what, you know, rather than really being like having the ears open and just being willing to, it's a very Venusian thing, uh, especially having your moon in Libra there because essentially Venus takes in, right? And in order to really listen, we have to take in and then honor what's coming in. And so I, I find that quite beautiful and a very valuable trait <laughs> for us all to develop uh, so that we can follow, you know, what comes in. Uh, oh my gosh, I, I love that. So now, Juji, what... Because there is a lot of connection with trauma. And uh, like you said, like one of the main parts of this uh, discipline is for people who have gone through uh, trauma on whatever level, trauma is different for different people. Um, But what is it about water that, I mean, how does water connect with trauma? Or, I mean, what, can you tell us a little bit more about that or like the gift that the water brings or the process within that? Um, Yes. Yes, absolutely. so I call these sessions um, shamanic journeys because they take you on a journey into remembering, but in such a way that you don't have to talk about it. Mm. So usually in psychotherapy, they make you go back to the memories and recall them and then have you speak about them. And then it drags on and it becomes this really painful process. When we are in the water, accessing trauma happens so quickly, but then it is all in a form of images and emotions and energy in the body. So as um, the practitioner is moving the receiver in the water, um, there is a constant motion and constant flow. So whatever comes up, it is being moved through the body. Mm. So. Accessing trauma is not really traumatizing the person. It just washes through and it can dislodge so much and so much clearing happens um, because we are combining working with the body and all of the trauma is basically stored in our tissues. So by uh, moving the body and moving the energy out, that clearing happens and it clears it once and for all because it went through the body too. We are not just sitting in a chair and talking about it. Mm, yeah. Rather than it circling up here in this intellectual realm, it literally is going through the, the physical and the emotional because the emotional is probably what stored it in the body to begin with because you know, like it has to go through all these layers first before it actually gets to the body. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's very powerful. And so it's almost like a, it's almost like a quick, not a quick, I mean, it's, it's not, but it, it's, it seems to be more of a symbiotic flow of a process than like you're saying where we like discuss it and then we might analyze it. It seems more organic in, in just the movement of it, I guess. Um, so mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. And now, now do have you ever, um, the people that you work with, are they usually typically ready to go in the water? Like they're excited about the experience or have, has there ever been people that are a little 
reserved to go in the water or they're just not naturally water type of people? Do you know? Uh, yes. Um, I get a mix of them all. And um, I, I have been approached by people who uh, don't even know how to swim. They have never been exposed to water. Mm. Uh, and uh, I have had uh, a handful of clients who um, didn't know how to swim. And so receiving a session was such an intense practice of trust and deep surrender when that happened that they were able to become friendly with water. And uh, I, I had one client report that he started taking swim lessons um, because he was able to go into water up to his waist and feel comfortable. So um, uh, I, I have been approached by uh, people like that. And um, naturally people who are friendly with water and have some kind of water practice are really drawn to this. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't mean anything really because um, uh, you can be a diver or free diver or um, be a swimmer and then you come to a session with this boosted ego that, oh, I love water or I'm a triple water sign in my chart. Uh, this session is going to be great for me. But being comfortable with water, this doesn't give you a prerequisite that you don't have trauma. You don't hold tension in your body. So it, it, it has nothing to do with uh, how much you are friendly with water. It, all it has to do with how much uh, you are storing in your body. And if you are, then the session still will uh, bring a lot of relief. Um, it, is, it is very different than you taking the initiative and swimming. This is more about uh, completely uh, letting go of any action and any direction, just surrendering into somebody's arms. And those, those somebody's arms are your arms, right? <laughs> so that's like, and, and so do you lead people through the water or what, uh, roughly, what does the process look like? Uh, the way I work with my clients is we begin by sitting down face to face and we have a discussion first um, to clarify uh, what intention they might have for this healing session. Um, the way I practice this um, as a shamanic journey, a transformational personal growth experience, um, I take time with my clients to connect to something, how could this session benefit uh, a life situation? So an intention could look like something um, that you are moving towards in your life, something new, and you you wish to get comfortable with the idea, with the feeling of it, or you are wishing to transform something um, in your life, or you want to let go. And a lot of people who have had a recently endings in their life come to me uh, when everything is finished, but there is this space mm. and they don't feel inspired. They don't feel motivated. Everything is tossed away. And now what? Mm. So being in this numb and stagnant place also um, taking part in this healing session, the water 
can reintroduce the flow and inspiration and creativity into somebody's life. Mm, I love that because you know what came to my mind, Juji, was the like if you think about um, the house systems and how really the water houses uh, in a chart, you know, that fourth, eighth, twelfth are those experiences. The water houses are essentially when we something might be falling away or stagnant or idle or rebirthing itself. And so it only seems natural to come to someone like yourself and actually move through that experience through the actual element of water. Because mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's, that, that's interesting. That made some connections in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, um, it, it doesn't have to be just one or the other. We can at the same time let go and call in the newness because as soon as we let go, there is space for the new. And as soon as we move towards the new, something naturally needs to fall away to um, have space for the new. Mm. So a lot of times it is both when people come to a session. <clears throat> And so we set an intention in a ceremonial setting. And this is also an opportunity to encode our body tissues with new information. Hmm. So um, this will over time um, show up in our uh, posture, in our shape of our body, in our body language, if we encode it with new information. and. Uh, also, our perspective on life will tremendously shift, um, viewing uh, ourselves in life, um, our own perspective, observing our own self will change and how we belong to the world. Um, so setting intentions is so important. And uh, actually, there are tons of studies that show um, you speak to water in a particular way and the crystalline structure of water changes based on the energy it has been imprinted by. So we are also adding the information into the water where we hold the session. Mm. And guess what? Our bodies are made of 70% water. Yes. So we are sending those codes into the waters of our body. It just reminds you how powerful your own intention is and your own thoughts and what's moving through you. Because essentially, if we are made of, you know, we are made of this this liquid that we're talking about here. And so if we're not having that, you know... especially if we're not clear on our intention, because I think sometimes we move through life in a way where we're not even very clear on what it, you know, we have an intention, but it's an unconscious one and it's affecting our lives in certain ways. And it's putting that crystallization based on that intention. So I love that you almost, you you basically, you bring it up again and you reintroduce it in a conscious way where we're like, we're going to consciously place this intention so that, you know, we're infusing ourselves with what it is we want rather than maybe coming through these more like unconscious streams, if, if that makes sense, like really mm-hmm. like very magician in a sense where we're just focusing that intent and then moving through it within the water. Yeah. Yeah. The, the focused intention counts so much because when we speak, we are basically casting a spell 
And we have the ability to transform. Um, sound has a vibration and the intention has a vibration. And water is this conscious being that holds all the information. Um, so when we go into aquatic session, we go all the way into our own ancient history because all the water present on earth, it cycles through. So the water that we drink from our cup, it might be the same water our ancestors were drinking. Mm. It just goes into the body, it needs to release, then there's a lake, it evaporates, it rains, it just cycles through. So imagine those spells or uh, words that our ancestors were putting, the prayers that our ancestors were putting into water. All of that is still in the water. Mm. And we can access that. It's like accessing the Akashic records. All the information of creation is basically preserved and contained in water. Wow. <laughs> I've, never really, I've never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. It's not like we are creating this you know, new water per se. It's this endless, I mean, it's this endless cycle, which is very water if we think about it. <laughs> you know, it's this endless flow and it's like recycling back into itself. And so, wow, that's very powerful. That's opened my, that opened my mind in many ways. I'll have to jot that down to follow up on that further. But uh, no, that's cool. In the session, um, you know, as a practitioner, it, it is important to know that I am not the one doing something to the client uh, uh, because uh, I am allowing water to be the teacher and the guide. I am holding space and anchoring um, for the client. And I, I help people connect to the greater knowing this way. Um, to bring them to a state where the deeper listening is possible to that surrendered space of silence. It's an invitation to return to the silence, to the essence of our life, to feel the vibration of unconditional love and joy and our natural state of being. Um, go back all the way, all the way back. Hmm. So I am just there to hold space and accompany somebody on this journey that they are undertaking. Hmm. That's beautiful. I know when I'm in water, I grew up swimming a lot. Um, I swam every day. And then about when I was 13, I stopped. I think actually that's when my progressed son moved from cancer to Leo now that I think about it. So that's interesting <laughs> if, by, if you think about it. Um, but even when I go into water these days, which is not all that often, you know, other than the bath or the shower, of course, I just feel this sense of joy that it, it takes me back to my childhood and, and the freedom to play in the water and how much I enjoyed it. So I hope that other people have experiences like that themselves within, you know, the, within the, the session, basically, because I know if I was in a session with you, I'd probably experience that joy because that's where water brings me immediately. Um, so now when you're doing sessions, is it, in, is it in a pool or is it in a bigger body of water? Or how, do, how, does, how does that work? Uh, it can be done in any body of water. Um, 
the most comfortable is to do it in a healing pool, uh, which is warmed up. It's heated to 95 degrees, mm -hmm. which is close to our body temperature. And um, saltwater pool is the most ideal because Ooh. it also um, gives a little buoyancy to the body. Mm. And um, otherwise, um, uh, it, it can be done in any condition because my training took place in the Mediterranean Sea um, with jellyfish, with other creatures. And <clears throat> it is absolutely amazing to do it outdoors um, because all of these other elements, um, they co-create the experience. Mm -hmm. So like receiving a session and having little fish swim around you and you hear the sound the fish make, it, it, uh, it, it just enriches the journey. Mm -hmm. And I have done it in a very cold river, also in a lake. And um, actually, um, my teacher, Alexander Siebenstern, the founder of Aguahara, um, the way to pass the training is um, at a certain level, you need to have experience doing an Aguahara session in five different types of water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there, there's that answer. <laughs> yeah. So there isn't one that's regulated per se. Um, you can experience it in all these different places, as you just said, but but maybe the most ideal would be that warmed up salt water that you're talking about and kind of more of a healing pool. Yes, that's, that's the most ideal. And um, the aquatic um, therapy called Watsu, um, they have created a regulation that uh, their form of aquatic healing can be only done in a very specific type of pool. Mm. And um, they have created this because... Um, that is really the most comfortable one where um, if you are receiving a session, you can very easily melt into and uh, release tension. If you're doing it in a turbulent sea that is very cold, yeah. it will be an added challenge to break through your own inhibitions of um, how can I stop shivering, you know, the mind-body connection uh how can how can i release um the holding from my body when i'm so cold and our training did that to us you know we we have gone to very cold water and um it was like no just breathe through it it is uh your practice your journey of meditation to calm your body in such way that even in intense conditions you are able to stay relaxed Hmm. So that's another level. <laughs> yeah. And so we wouldn't want to maybe start off there, but as you, as you, you get, you know, further into the practice, cause it, it is a practice, right? I mean, how often are, do you find yourself in, in the pool or, you know, doing the work yourself more so than other helping other people, you know, just moving through the water yourself? Oh, you know, um, you bring this up. Uh, my dream is to live with other aquatics. So we have a community and we can come together and continue helping each other like this, giving each other sessions, having group uh, underwater dances. And, um, you know, it's such a unique opportunity. I speak to many aquatic therapists from my 
training, and everybody's sort of like at the different parts of the world. And we always ask each other, have you found an aquatic community yet? And uh, many are like, no, you know, I'm the only one in my city. And so we get together for retreats. And um, yeah, the the retreats where we all get together and then we do the work on ourselves, uh, on each other. It, It is so necessary. So it's um, like the uh, the aquatic communities uh, version of Norwalk, basically, <laughs> where everyone <laughs> comes together to be with the tribe and you know and to share the yeah. water experience. That's beautiful. Yes, yes. And uh, I have been envisioning and dreaming about a um, home like this. You know, living with other aquatic um, uh, people and. Actually, my current uh, living situation, um, I am staying right now at uh, what is called a mermaid sanctuary. Mm. And um, the people who live in the house, they are actual mermaids. So we even have mermaid tails uh, in the garage. (laughs) 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 It's a mermaid home. And so currently I do have the... Uh, pleasure and bliss uh, to be amongst uh, uh, other women who are uh, underwater creatures. And uh, this is a dream come true for me. Oh, that's so sweet. You found your, your dream is coming alive. You're, you know, you've already found a little nook with these other mermaids. And that's immediately where my mind went when you, uh, because I mean, if you, Go and look at a picture of Juji. She's she is a mermaid. <laughs> like you'll see, she's she has a mermaid vibe to her right away. Uh, and so when you were sharing the practice, I immediately thought I was like, I wonder how many mermaids come to her. You know, because that is a real thing. People are you know, there's a lot of women and even men that uh, identify with this water consciousness and being in the water and having their own custom tails um, and. That's a thing. That's a thing in its own. And so, do you think those people are also tapping into that same power and healing uh, through that journey of their own? Oh yes, yes. I have. I have found out through conversations. Uh, currently, in this house, um, uh, we also have a underwater photographer who goes diving and free diving with whales. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had a. Uh, pleasure to give him an Aguahara session and prior to that we spoke and he his life is already tapped into that cosmic consciousness because he by himself goes down underwater and meets these giant god animals like a giant whale and um, having those experiences it's like um, altered state of consciousness to be underwater and uh, be so tapped into the essence of life. So absolutely, um, there are other people um, who go down underwater who uh, are very experienced and they are accessing all this um, 
Yeah. That's kind of the cosmic consciousness, like you're saying, because right when you were saying that, what immediately came to mind is, you know, there is a lot of scientific evidence as far as evolution is concerned, that we all came from water. We are some sort of fish type of species originally that then began to evolve onto land and, and so on and so forth. And so I'm wondering in a very deep you know, deep, big, <laughs> large view type of way by going into the water or even like the man you just described and what he goes and does, if that is in an essence of returning to the very start of where we as humans began, you know, because we essentially mm-hmm. were the fish that crawled up out of the water, you know, millions of years ago. <laughs> if- <laughs> if it's correct. And so it seems like they're in this roundabout way. There's this cycle of returning to the original human. Does that make sense? (laughs) I'm like blowing my own mind within it. (laughs) Makes sense. And um, as I spoke about my somatic practice, body mind centering at the beginning, it is exactly this evolutionary remembrance we can also access in our tissues. So in body-mind centering, we go through this process of connecting to uh, organs and body parts that we no longer have, but we have an energetic memory of it. So for example, on our neck, uh, we would have gills like the fish. And in body-mind centering, there is a guided practice where you actually breathe through your gills. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to breathe through my gills? That's great. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That's exactly what I was kind of imagining. Well, I mean, tapping into. So yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, how cool yeah. is that? Yeah, like that. And uh, being underwater, um, all of these uh, flashes of memories, uh, Memories in a way like you experience yourself like a water snake or like an amoeba or a jellyfish or a seaweed even. Mm. Um, And you have this really strong visceral experience that, yes, that's what I am because your human identity uh, peels away to be able to really embody something else that is Uh, other consciousnesses that are part of you Mm. uh, in this body. Um, I was in Bacalar, Mexico um, for a aquatic retreat and we chose that lake specifically because um, Lake Bacalar um, is this white crystalline water that has the first... um, living material, I think it's called stromatolite, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I'll have to double check. Uh, And these are the first creatures of life that have evolved in water that all life on earth comes from. Mm -hmm. And there are only very limited places on earth that this creature is still alive. And at Lake Bacalar, um, uh, they are in the lake. So we did Aguahara sessions for each other in that lake. And ooh, imagine that download of ancient history and wisdom. It was, it was mind-blowing. 
how cool is that? See, it's all tie, it's all tying in. My understanding of like, I mean, water therapy in general has just <laughs> gone from like here, like this like scale of two to like about a scale of eight, like just opening my mind to, you know, because you just think it's like, oh, we're just swimming in water or we're, you know, maybe Juji's carrying me through and I'm just surrendering to it. But there's all these other deep layers, these many layers that fit into this practice that are more than just kind of drifting through water. Um, so yeah, no, this that's fascinating to me for sure. And so now there's not a whole lot of you out there that are doing this, right? I mean, in, you were telling me in the U.S. there's only a handful of people that are practicing this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, so how do people find you, or how do you inform other people, or like how how does the word get out about Aguahara? Basically, <laughs> um, uh, yes, you are right. Um, there are um, not many practitioners in the United States. Uh, there are very many in the in Europe and also South America, and um, many of them are travelers. So, um, uh, if somebody goes to India or Thailand, um, uh, we actually have a global Aguahara website. I believe it is aguahara.org. If it's not, we can put in the comments the yeah. correction. Uh, but it lists all the aquatic practitioners and their current location in the world. Uh, I mean, aquatic practice, there are so many different modalities. Like there is Watsu, Jansu, um, water dance, dolphin dance. and um, But specific to Aguahara, uh, we have that website. And then it lists all the practitioners. Um, in California, we have... Um, three or perhaps four Aguahara practitioners. Um, and um, as far as I know, I am the only one uh, in this area in Los Angeles where I'm currently. So, yeah. So if people want to go see you, um, they can either come up to LA or if there's a group of people, that are, are do you travel to people? Um, if there's maybe, say, a group of people that want to do it or uh, how would, um, I guess, where would people find you, Juji? And like, what is it that you have to offer uh, if um, people are interested in getting the service? Um, so I have a Facebook page called uh, Mystical Embodiment. And um, on this Facebook page, um, you can follow my journey of sharing my gifts and um, tracking wherever I am in the world. And I am offering the aquatic healing sessions and astrology consultations and embodied self-discovery classes, as well as the workshops and events and retreats. So um, the Mystical Embodiment page is a good personal resource if, you, if anybody wants to contact me. And um, I have um, several events and workshops um, coming up now, which I can mention. If, um, yes, please do. So currently, um, what is about to happen, I have a five-week series coming up um, that I'm teaching in Ojai, California at the Somatic Sanctuary. It's called Somatic Self-Discovery and Embodied Relating. 
it is a dance movement, inner discovery type of experience. And it is starting July 2nd, um, every Tuesday evening. Right on the solar eclipse. You're starting on solar eclipse in cancer. You're starting a program. How magical is that? <laughs> New moon, solar eclipse. It's, it's a very powerful moment. Yes, yeah. in cancer, nonetheless, very much so for water. And we have also an online month-long women's group tracking the lunation cycle of July um, that I'm co-facilitating with my good friend and astrologer, Jamie Goldstein from Dallas. And it is called Awakening Your Feminine Power Lunation Journey. And it is also starting um, on the new moon on July 2nd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll know. Juji will be busy. Certainly will, yes. <laughs> and this event is also on Facebook. And this is an online um, experience. And uh, you can register now and receive your preparation material. And um, we chose July because July will be such an intense month with the eclipses, with so many planets going retrograde. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to have some guidance or be part of a group. and. Let's all move through this wave together. Yes, yes. And we choose to participate. Right? <laughs> yes. We're going to consciously choose to participate and we will ride the wave together. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and if you live in Los Angeles, um, as I mentioned earlier, I am blessed to be staying at the Mermaid Sanctuary um, this month. And so I'm offering aquatic healing sessions um, only for one week, though, um, June 12th until the 18th. And the Facebook event for that is called Aquatic Healing Journey, um, private sessions with Juji Kapash. And so we have this very special opportunity uh, with limited time slots. It's four to six people per day. And um, you get a discount if you book together with a friend. Um, we are scheduling appointments um, as we are speaking right now. And um, anybody who wishes to reach me, they can reach me uh, via email, mysticalembodiment at gmail.com. And I'm also planning a visit in June, probably the last week of June to San Francisco Bay Area, where I am also available for aquatic healing sessions as well as I periodically visit your location in San Diego, Mel. (laughs) And um, so I travel all over to share the mermaid medicine. That's wonderful. And so, okay, so all that she just shared with us, in case you you didn't get that down, I will for sure share that on my page, on my blog page, so you can get to Juji and this fantastic stuff she offers. I know a lot of our listeners here, not all, but a lot, are here in California. Uh, So if you find what she is talking about... interesting as I do, you know, you have the opportunity to follow up and, and go with the flow <laughs> and get in the water with Juji. Um, so thank you so much, Mel. And I also wanted to just give a shout out to a disclosure fest, uh, which is happening in Los Angeles, June 22nd. And it is a full day meditation, yoga, transformation, music festival open to public where I will be facilitating an embodied discovery workshop 
at the community village with the goddesses of Gaia. And I'm, um, I, uh, I am just really looking forward to meeting everybody in the area and um, also anybody who would like to connect online um, to the Facebook page, Mystical Embodiment, or via email. Yeah. Yes. Reach, reach out to her because she is such, such a sweetheart and has a lot of wisdom to share as well. Uh, she's opened my mind to a totally new form of, of healing and way of being that I haven't even thought about before. And so it was such a pleasure to get to meet you um, through Norwalk, through following the tribe and being with the tribe. We got to find... Uh, it's almost like you get to reach out to other tribes. It's like we connected a tribe, but we're all kind of part of a few tribes, it seems like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. here we cross-pollinate together. So I love that, Juji. Um, so, all right. Now, where can you find me? Uh, and I'll have this information that she's supplied as well here. And you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Energetic Principles. Um, and of course, if you would like a consultation, I do that as well. Um, Now, if you like what you hear today and you want to let other people know about the aquatic journey and healing through water and Aguahara and what Juji's doing out there, you know, spread the good word, share it with a friend, uh, you know, email this podcast to someone or leave a nice review that helps us to be seen uh, further. Um, So, all right, everyone. Well, Juji, thank you again for joining me. It was such a pleasure not only to meet you at Norwalk, but to get to talk to you here about uh, the love work that you do. I so appreciate it, Mel. It was such a pleasure meeting you and now sharing this time together and having this conversation. And I really look forward to seeing you in person next time I visit um, uh, San Diego and uh, some astrology events. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. We'll hold space to be together again for sure. Oh, so all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.